Welcome to Reconciled Church Miami, Pastor Aldo Leon. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you that you came down in and through your son Jesus Christ thousands of years ago, did everything that we should have done, died for everything wrong that we have done, was raised and went back to heaven, and then you sent your spirit to finalize your agenda in this world. And God, we now are here because you sent Christ and you sent your spirit, you sent your word, and so we're just recipients of ascending God in every sense of the term. So God, would you, would you enable us to just connect with that reality today? God, if we're honest with you, you bore us, you bore me. We're so much more impressed with ourselves and what we do and what we don't do and what we will do even later today. But, but we need you, the sending, saving God who comes after us by the power of your spirit to just quicken us to hear, to, to worship, to trust in this hour. And I pray this also for when we go to prison, God, would you make yourself known one more time in this day to those who are yours and even those who have yet to be yours. We pray these things in your son's beloved name. Amen. Amen. All right, so we are still in the Attributes of God series. And you know what? I've been debating whether extending the Attributes of God series to um, talk about the, the person of Christ as well. So at the tail end of uh, Attributes of God, just do messages solely on who Christ is. I mean, like, he is human, he is divine, he is human and divine, he is prophet, he is priest, he is king. I've been debating that. So we might not get into Acts right away. But we today are going to talk about a fancy term. It means that God is immutable. And immutable simply, simply means he does not change. God is unchanging in who he is. Um, I, I think as humans, we probably know that reliability is so crucial to good relationships, correct? One of the things that makes relationships so needed is that we can rely on somebody in some sort of regular way. Um, reliability, unchanged, we, we, it, it's so essential. Things remaining the way they are is so essential to good relationships. Um, but what's the problem with people and who they are and how regular they are? They're not regular, correct? We're consistently inconsistent if we're honest. So where are we going to get relational regularity and reliability as people? And that is in God being always and forever unchanging. That kind of reliability that we need comes from God being unchanging in who he is. And I want to unpack that in three ways. First thing I want to say about God being unchanging is that he is who he is without change. He is who he is without change. Second, who he was, he still is. Second, who he was, he still is. And third, who he is, he always will be. Who he is, he always will be. So let me get right into it. First main idea about God being unchanging. Who he is, he is without change. Hebrews 1.10 says this, In the beginning, Lord, you establish the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. 
They will all wear out like clothing. You will roll them up like a cloak, and they will be changed like a robe. Listen, but you are the same, and your, ear, your years will never end. So hear me, hear me out very closely. God always is who he is with no exceptions, no breaks, no changes, no additions, no subtractions. Who he is is always the same, always has been the same. God is not growing. God is not subtracting. God always is who he is. Secondly, God's will is unchanging. Because God is unchanging in who he is, his will is unchanging in what he wills. God's not, he's not a teenager. Oh, I think I want to be, I want to go to college, and, and I want to be a doctor, and I think I want to be a lawyer. I think I want to be an actor. That's not God's will, okay? Uh, God's, God's nature and will is kind of like the palmetto. What, what is always consistent about the palmetto? It's always got traffic. You can always be sure that the palmetto has traffic at any hour, at any time in the day. I've been driving home from Fort Lauderdale uh, when I visit my parents at like 11 o'clock. And there's traffic on the Palmetto on a Saturday night. I'll give you a picture of reliability. Obviously, it's not, it's not as reliable as God is, but it just gives you an idea. So what does it mean that God is who he is without change? I'm going to tell you three things. Three things. This means we can always trust God. We can always trust God. Genesis 17.1 says this. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him saying, I am God Almighty. Now, it's very important to think about when this is said. Because two chapters before, God meets with Abraham and makes a covenant with Abraham, a one-way covenant, puts Abraham to sleep, and then he goes to the covenant ceremony, establishing the relationship while Abraham's asleep. But then you know what happens in chapter 16? You know what happens in chapter 16? God's like, man, in order, no, Abraham's like, in order for me to make this God's plans work, I got to trust myself and I got to impregnate my, my, ha- my handmaid, my, my, my slave at that time, Hagar, to make God's plans work out. So God reveals himself to be who he is. In chapter 16, Abraham tries to do his own thing. And you know what God does in chapter 17? I'm God still. I am the Lord Almighty. Still. So you can trust me because I'm not, I haven't changed. I have not changed, you know. Um, you know how we are. People, we, we can rely on people in certain seasons, certain years of our lives. And you know what happens? Some of y'all have kids, and then you become totally lost in the friendship reliability spectrum, right? I've had friends that were like, man, like, right, me and Rebecca, we had friends that uh, were just like, so helpful and so reliable, and they, they have one kid, and they're gone. Just can't rely on you for nothing. God's not like that, though, because God never changes. He never fluctuates at any month, any season, any minute, any moment ever. You can always trust God because he is unchanging and who he is all the time. We can always Trust him. God always is, so you can always trust. But it gets better. It gets better, guys. It's, it's better. Not only can we always trust God, but we can always trust God not because of us. 
more than just we can always trust him. We can always trust him, not because of us. Look at Exodus 3.11. Moses asked God, who am I? Like, yo, I don't got no credentials, God. You, you hollered at the wrong guy. This is, this is my paraphrase. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and, you should, and I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God says, I will certainly be with you. And this is a sign that you, I have sent you. When you bring the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this mountain. Then Moses God asked God, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. I, that's what you were to say to the Israelites. The I am has sent you. So God, <laughs> Abraham is like, how do I know, in, because I'm a limited guy, I, I don't think I have very much confidence in myself. How do I know that this is going to happen? And God says, because I always am who I am. And I always am who I am, not because of you. And since I always am who I am, not because of you, you can trust me, not because of you, and in spite of you. So, listen. You know, you, you know how we are as people? We, we, we want to go to the doctor when, when we're healthy, right? I don't know about you. I, I, I want to go get checkups when I don't have anything seriously wrong. But when you have something seriously wrong, you don't want to go to the doctor. Maybe some of you do, but I don't. And that's how we are with God. We want to trust God when we feel a little bit good about something we have, something we hold, how we are, what what ability we have, how we feel about ourselves, we want to go to God because of something that is in us already. We want to go to rely on the doctor when we know we're kind of okay. But listen, 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 listen. God being unchanging means that you can always trust who God is and it never, ever has anything to do with who you are, ever. God being who he always is, never is ever related or connected or caused by who you are, so you can always trust God in spite of you. Yes, thank you, Jesus. There's this text that I really like, Hosea 11.9 says, I will not give full fury, I will not vent the full fury of my anger. I will not turn back to destroy Ephraim, for I am God and not man. The reason why I'm not going to destroy you, you rebellious sinners, is because I'm God and I'm not you. And I exist not because of you. But guys, it gets better. It gets better. Here's a third point under my previous main point. We can always trust God not because of what? We can always trust God not because of what? Let me read John 6.16. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. Darkness had already set in, but Jesus had not yet come to them. Then a high wind arose, and the sea began to churn. And after they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea. He was coming near the boat, and they were afraid. But look what he says to them. It is I. And in the Greek, it literally says, God doesn't, Jesus says, I am. So she says, don't be afraid, I am. Meaning that this whole experience with bread coming 
in the earlier part of chapter 6, connects us back to the Moses experience. These disciples going across the water safely connects us with the Exodus waters being parting. So Jesus is saying, listen, you can trust me in the chaos of the waters because I still am the I am, and it is not dependent upon how the storminess of the waters are. I am who I am, not because of how things are. You know how we are as people? This is how we are. This is how I am. God, I can trust you when finances and job life is going well, and I can question you when it's not. God, I can feel good about you when the circumstance of marriage is going well, and I can doubt you when marriage is not going well. God, I can trust you in the situation of health going well, and I cannot trust you in the situation of health not, not going so well. I can trust you when politics look like they're suited to what I think America should be, and I can doubt you when politics look crazy to me. This is how we are. We think God is who he is so far as things are. Like God is tied to situational change. But here's the good news about God being immutable, beloved. Is that God always is who he is. And it is never connected, bound, attached to how circumstances are. Job is this way, marriage is this way, health is this way, country is this way, neighborhood is this way. God always is who he is, not because of that. So we can always trust God, not just in spite of ourselves, but in spite of how things are. So that's the main three things about the main thing. Here's, here's the second main point. Who he was, he still is. Who he was, he still is. What does this mean? I only have one sub-point for this one. It means that God's salvation is because of who he is always. God's salvation continues to be because of who God never ceases to not be. Make sense? God's present salvation is always continues to be because of God being unchanging. Let me read a text that's helpful. Revelation 1.17 says this. When I saw him, saw Jesus, I fell at his feet like a dead man. He laid his right hand on my head and he said, so why should not John be afraid presently in light of his sinfulness? This is a question. Don't be afraid. I am the first and I am the last. The living one. I was dead, but look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. So God tells John, listen, you can, be, you, you can feel okay in your sinfulness because I'm still the guy who died on the cross for your sins. And that cross work that I did for your sinfulness, it's still valid in the midst of your sinfulness. It hasn't changed. Guys, you know how we are as people? We tend to think that we can undo what God has done in our Christianity, right? Which is why when some of you have really questionable weeks, questionable months, questionable moments, you begin to question the gospel. Because deep down in our hearts, we think that we can undo what God has done in the past. But listen, since God is unchanging, you can never undo what he did for you. You hear me? 
since God does not change, you can't undo the cross of Christ by what you do. Because God's unchanging, it means that when he saved you, when he lived for you, when he obeyed in your place, when he died for your sins, when he was resurrected, he did something for you that you could never undo because God is unchanging. Therefore, his gospel for you cannot be undone by you. Listen, the obedience of Christ for you is steadfast and secure no matter how your past is like. How can I feel good about my relationship with God? My past is disgusting because God did an unchangeable work when he obeyed and gave you credit for his obedience. He said, my presence doesn't seem to be favorable. I'm not as fruitful as I'd like to be. I'm not as committed as I'd like to be. I'm not as, you know, loving as I'd like to be. I'm not as mature as I'd like to be. But listen, the blood of Jesus Christ for your sinfulness is so powerful and so mighty and so majestic that nothing in your lack or your plus could undo the work of God in Christ for you. God is unchangeable. It means that his work for you cannot be undone by you. God laughs at you when you think so. Oh, you know, I don't know, I don't know, you know, because this happened and that happened and it's God's... Listen, 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 listen. I'm unchangeable. And since I did something for you thousands of years ago, it cannot be undone by you in the present. What I did in the past remains for you because I'm unchangeable. So... He is still who he was. Who he was, he still is. It means that salvation is always because of him, and we can't undo it. Can't undo it. So here's the last main idea about God being immutable, unchangeable. Who he is, he always will be. Who he is, he always will be. And I unpack that in four ways. Here's the first one. He remains sufficient. It means that he remains sufficient. Isaiah 40, 28 says this. Do you not know, have you not heard, Yahweh is the everlasting God, the creator of the whole earth. He never grows faint or weary. You hear what I just said? Because God is who he is, and he always is who he is. He never gets tired. Let me keep reading. There is no limit to his understanding. He gives strength to the weary and strengthens the powerless. Youths may grow faint and grow weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. So since God will always be who he is, that means he will always be reliable in the future no matter what is going on. And let me give you a picture that may be helpful. You know how moms are reliable, but then they have those days where the kids are really needy. You know what I'm talking about? We're like, where's Tanya? She's hiding, always. Tanya's with the kids? Oh, okay. Rebecca's not here. What happened? Like a lot of the moms that dipped out. Okay, Jamie's here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, like the single people will look at our families here and they're like, 
I don't want to be y'all. <laughs> and be like, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. You, just a little bit. All right. Um, you like, uh, you want to be us, but different. Not as, right. So, so, so Jamie, you know, she could be reliable, you know, consistently liable. But then there's these days where, the, where, where, where kids are just, and you, the whole day, and, and you snap, leave me alone. And all of a sudden, you have exhausted mom's reliability, correct? It's like, I don't want to hear mom anymore. Just, just figure it out. Now, God is not that person. We think he is. We think that we can exhaust who he is towards us based upon how much we need him. So you guys get tired of relying on God because deep down you think that he's kind of like you and he kind of exhausts his reliability when you become too just pitifully needy. But listen, God is never stops being who he is towards you, a father, a savior, a redeemer, a lord, a conqueror, a king. He never gets tired of being that towards you, no matter how needy you are. Let me give you a picture of this. All right, God, I need you. Help me. I repent. I trust you. Two seconds later, God, I need you. I'm sorry. A a minute later, same thing. You know, an hour later, like, you haven't exhausted God in any of those moments. Listen, listen, you swim in the ocean of God's character, and it never fluctuates or vacillates or changes who he is. You can always trust him no matter how needy you are because who he is is not exhausted or depleted by you being too needy. You know what our problem is? Our problem is I don't think that God is not sufficient enough. Our problem is that we just don't like being so needy. We want God to make us little gods who don't need God. <laughs> God's like, no, no, I'm, because I'm always, I always am who I am, and it never changes, that means I will always be sufficient. No matter how often, no matter how big it is, no matter how large it is, God will always be who he is, so you can never exhaust who he is. Here's a second sub-point under he will always be who he is. It means that he remains central. He remains central. Let me read Revelation chapter 5. And actually, our group is actually going to go through chapter 5 this week. Um, where are you guys at, Patrick? Four? Oh, yeah, we're ahead. Yeah, doesn't matter. All right. So, Revelation 5, 1. Then I saw... In the right hand of the one seated on the throne, a scroll with writing on the inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and the scroll and break its seals? So the book represents God's plans and purposes to redeem reality, restore reality, and God's ability to. So here's here's a question. How is this screwed up thing called earth and screwed up people called humans, how is it going to be made right? How is it going to be fixed? What is the solution? God, can you, can you kind of figure that out for us? Let's look what happens. But no one 
in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or even look at it. So nobody in creation could figure out the problem in creation. Nobody is qualified. And I cried and I cried because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or even look in it. You can't even peer and begin to think about your ability to fix reality. You can't even even look in the book, supposedly. Then one of the elders said to me, stop crying. Look, the lion from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has been victorious so that he may open its scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw one like a slaughtered man between the throne and the four living creatures. You see what happens? God is saying, listen, Jesus is the, he is the, he is a lion. He is the lamb slain. He is the alpha and the omega. He, because he is this person and he still is this person, that's the most important thing in reality to figuring out our reality problems. Who Jesus is, is the central question and answer for our existence on all of our problems. Who is God? Who is Christ? Is what's central. But you know how we are? Everything's all about us, right? How do we look through reality? You look through reality through the filter of you. Right? You, 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 don't, you don't say this. No, we don't say this. Because we're, such, we're such godly people, right? We're such good Christians. You don't say this, but the way you see reality is based upon the centrality of who you are. If you feel good about who you are, then reality seems to be okay and functional. If you feel bad about you are, you're depressed and you want to hide in substances or you want to be suicidal or you want to hide a job because we think that who we are is really what matters most. But beloved, you know what's wonderful about God being unchanging? Is that the most important thing in our reality is who God is and always will be. That's the most important thing. Just just let that marinate in your soul for a second. The most important central thing in the universe is not who we are, but who God is. So Revelation is opening up this conversation to heaven. It's like, man, like the demons are prowling and, and, and life is corrupted and broken. And God says, I am who I am. This is the most important thing. This is the most central thing. Listen, it's kind of like... My kids are in the pool, okay? Anais is a pretty good swimmer, but Abriella is not so good swimmer. Listen, the most important thing about my daughter is not whether she's in the shallow end or the deep end, okay? You know what the most important thing is? I'm there. Someone is there whose qualifications and personality and what they are is the most important thing. So let's bring it to us. What's most important is not are you on the shallow or the deep end of reality, personality-wise, character-wise. What's most important is God is God. Christ is Christ. The Spirit is the Spirit. And this is the most important thing about reality. And oh my gosh, we as young people in this generation are so miserable because of who we are not and so prideful because of who we are. And God's like, that's not the most important thing. He will always be who he is, which means that he always will be central. Two more points. Two more points. He remains unifying. He remains unifying. Because he always is who he is. He always will be who he is. 
He unifies us. Let me read Ephesians 4.1. I, I, therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received. You guys should walk worthy of the gospel with all humility, gentleness, patience, accepting one another in love, diligently keeping the unity of the Spirit with the peace that binds us. Look what, God, look, look what Paul says is the reason we should be unified. There is one body and one spirit. Just you recall to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. So God says, you know why you guys can be together? It's because God is God. Now let me tell you what he doesn't say. The hope for you guys to be together is because you guys are loving people. Or the hope for you guys to be together is that you guys are, I don't know, you guys are married people. You guys have the common bond of marriage. Or you guys are all singles. Or you guys are all homeschoolers. Or you guys are all non-homeschoolers. Or you guys are all black. Or you guys are all Latino. Or you guys are all Cuban. Or you guys are all for being together or against this. He says, listen, you guys can be together because God is God. So in order for people who don't seem to like each other and get along and have unity to be together, there has to be someone's character who's big enough, massive enough to absorb us together. And you know what that is? It's God being who he is always. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the Redeemer. He is the King. He is the Ruler. He is the Savior. He is the Propitiator. Because God is who he is, we can all be together. He's big enough. But, but if unity is about us finding a common denominator of something that we have in ourselves, it's just a matter of time before that becomes another split. Right. Oh, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to make the hip-hop church, and I'm going to make the white people church, and I'm going to make the cool people church, and I'm going to make the millennial church, and I'm going to make the Hispanic church, and I'm going to make the... That has no power. The only thing that unifies people is that we are defined by the character and virtues and realities of an unchangeable God. So he always being who he is means that he remains unifying. And here's the last point I have before I kind of do some application. He remains motivating. He remains motivating. Third John 6. Do you guys, how many of you know there's a, there's a third John? Come on, raise your hand. This is, this is a real question. Kevin, you know there's a third John. <laughs> okay, so listen. There, there's the Gospel of John. Then there's 1 John, then there's 2 John, and there's 3 John. You ever want to read a book in five minutes, or actually two minutes? You can read 3 John in probably two minutes. It's like literally like one paragraph. But Kevin doesn't want to let us know that. All right. All right. So listen, 3 John 6 says this. They have testified to your love in front of the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. Listen, since they set out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from pagans. So because they did missionary work, because of who God is, and because of who God will always be, they were able to absorb all of the disappointments that come from ministry. They went out for the sake of the name. God is this. He will be this. He is that. Therefore, they were able to be absorbing all the challenges. Now, now, now here, here's, here's the problem with us. I can't love you because you're not, you're, you're not grateful. 
I can't serve you because you're stinking proud and so full of yourself. I can't do this ministry because you're not joyous about it. I can't care for you selfishly because you're a selfish, disgusting wretch. And so we have all these reasons for why we can't do ministry to each other or to those outside the church because of who people are or they're not. But here's the good news about God always being who he is. I can always do things because of who God is because God always is who he is no matter how people are. God is my lover. God is the faithful one. God is my proud, excited, celebrating dad. God, Jesus is my husband. Man, because God always is that, I can always be motivated to do things to people when they are not what they should be or what I would like them to be. If you're motivated and driven by who God is, there is not one wretched situation or person that can discourage you. But let me tell you something. If you do things, if, you, if you're a wife, if you're a spouse, if you're a Christian, if you're an evangelist, if you're a church planner, if you're a pastor because of who people are, you're doomed to be miserable and proud and just destructive. But because we're motivated from who God is, and he always is who he is, I always have a motivating reason to do things no matter what happens. Because God is always who he is. So here's the concluding kind of applications that I want to do. And um, kind of just recircling the points. Beloved, if God is unchanging, that means we should be clear about his will in our life. If God's unchanging, we should be clear about his will in our life. (laughs) Meaning that God, he doesn't change his will for you. You know what God's most essential? Yes, there's a lot of like other things that God wills for you, but what is the most essential thing that God wills for you? He wants you to be more amazed with how amazing Christ is for you. That's the will of God for your life. That's my paraphrase. And God Because he's unchanging, it's not like that ever changes. So God's will for your life in any situation is always what? God wants to magnify how awesome Jesus is for me and how needy I am. And he wants me to be amazed with the endless gospel grace sufficiency of his grace in Christ. And he wants to humble me of what I don't have. I always know that's what God is doing in my life. You know, like, we're always like, what, what do Christians, when Christians ask this question, I want to know God's will for my life, what are they asking? Am I going to be single? Am I going to be married? If I'm married, am I always going to have these kind of kids? Are my kids going to be this way? Are they going to be that way? You know, am I going to be always having a job that only pays, like, 50K and, like, I live cheap? That's, should I live in this? You know, like, that's, that's what we think, right? God's will is always, like, connected to some new thing in your life. But listen, because God's unchanging, you can always know what he wants for you. He wants you to be amazed with Christ for you all the time so you can kind of really simplify reality. I wonder what God you're doing in my brokenness, exalting Christ. In this season, I have failed miserably. I have succumbed to temptations. I have relapsed. What's your will for me now, God? To <laughs> Same thing. Man, like, I'm in a weary season with kids. I'm in a lonely season of, lo- I'm in a lonely season of loneliness, brokenness, health. God, what's your will for me? Same. I want to make much of my son in your life, and I want you to be more amazed with the sufficiency of Jesus because God's will is unchanging. 
God's unchanging. His will for our life is always the same. I don't know about you. That's good news for me. I'm so sick of trying to figure out God's other wills. What are you doing? God's like, I'm doing the same thing. God being unchanging, secondly, means that we should be consistent God, God gospel-reliant people. We should be consistent God, gospel-reliant people. Listen, what do you do when you're thirsty? What do you do when you're thirsty again? What do you do when you're thirsty when you're 20? What do you do when you're thirsty when you're 40? What do you do when you're thirsty when you're 80? What do you do when you're thirsty and you're in Africa? It's only one. Water's always water, and you always deal with your thirst by drinking water. You see where I'm going? What do you do now in any position of need? You drink from the waters of God's grace because God's unchanging, so there's only one solution. I hate my wife. Gospel's the solution because God is not changing. I, I have, I have, I, you know, I am in a season of life where depression is heavier and relationships are, 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 are broken and like me and my wife hate each other and me and my kids don't get along. What do we do? God hasn't changed. Solution hasn't changed. Gospel. Oh man, you know, I don't know. Like, I feel like I really hate my job and I really don't, I really feel like I have low self-esteem issues and like I really feel like I've, I've had people backstab me. What do I do? God has not changed. He is who he is, and so you must, what? <laughs> Continue to rely on his provisions of grace. Like, oh, man, I went from a season where I was really excited about what I was doing, really excited where I was, and now it sucks. I hate it. What do I do? Keep going back to that same place of gospel grace provisions because God has not changed. The same way, like, man, I guess I'm thirsty. I guess I'm going to drink water. I'm thirsty. I guess I'm going to drink water. That's the picture. God hasn't changed. That means that we should always be consistently relying on him in the same way. God being unchanging means that we should be more objective people than subjective people. We should be more objective people than subjective people. What do I mean by that? Listen, beloved, you know, you know, you know, you know how we are as people? We're obsessed with what's, with what's in us. We're obsessed with what's in our hearts. We're obsessed with what's in our mind. We're obsessed with what's in our opinions. We are obsessed with us. We are, uh, we go, our days are determined by how we feel about ourselves. So for ladies, how you look in the mirror, oh, I look skinnier. How husband treats you, oh, I feel nicer. Or for you who work, how you feel successful. Listen, we're so obsessed with what is in us and how things are in us and what's going on. But beloved, if God is unchanging, then you should be more preoccupied with who God is. The que- listen, the question for you, for, for you today is who is God? God's like, I'm the king. The question for you in your sinfulness is not how you feel about your sinfulness, but God is grace. The question for you in light of your feeling incompetent and, and, and lacking ability is not how you feel about you and your, and, but that God is omnipotent, all-powerful, and he is gracious. Listen, you should be more 
fixed as a Christian on who God is than who you are That's as a life. You should be asking this question. Who is God? Not who am I married to. Not, not, not what are my kids like. Not what is my job like. Not what is my city like. Not what is my personality like. But essentially, who is God? We should be objective people. And when we answer those things, then well, life becomes a much more livable. God being unchanging, beloved, means that we shouldn't be redefining God in modern terms. You know what I'm saying? Like, God doesn't change. That means that when society thinks something's different, that we, we then think that God is different. Right? So what God said to sin a thousand years ago, two thousand years ago, is still sin today. God is not changing. He's not changing with the times. He's not adapting with the times. He's not adapting with the culture. Sin is sin because God, and it always is sin because God has said it. He's not changed. <laughs> you know what? It's amazing to me is that people want to still be Christians and have churches and have preaching and have Bible, and they want to redefine God's character and will. So, yeah, there's no, yeah there was hell before, but God kind of, there, there's, God's over that hell thing. You know, before you know, God was about salvation being entirely a thousand percent by his grace and his work through Christ for you. But now God has kind of turned into a moralist where he kind of accepts some of your works. A lot of conversation in the church now about how, you know, salvation now is a mixture of our works and Christ's works. Listen, God has not changed with the change of the times. I don't care what's popular. God always is who he is. And so his will always is who it is. A man is a man, a woman is a woman, no matter what happens in our generation. So because God is unchanging, he's not this kind of bipolar guy who's adjusting with reality. We don't redefine God in modern terms. If God is unchanging, that means that we should be God-centered, God-confident people in discipleship. If God is unchanging, we should be God-centered, God-confident people in discipleship. What do we do when we disciple people? This, this is what you do. Can I, can I get in your heads? Oh, I don't want to invest in that guy because, you know, my, my, my husband, he's, a, he's just lazy and he's whatever. That's not, that, that's not, the, that's not what you go, disciple your husband with. You disciple with your husband with who God is. God is the Alpha and the Omega. God is the Redeemer. God is a mighty one, powerful one, sanctifying, glorious Lord. That's how you approach discipling a guy. Or on the other flip side, I don't, I don't man, my, my, my wife's stubborn disrespectful, snappy, bitter. Doesn't matter. Who is God? Who is God matters. Or, oh, my kids, my kids, or, you know, they have these, who is God? Or we're looking, at, we're looking around the church, you know, like, I don't know. I think I would like to invest in that person. But, you know, I don't know, man. I think I think they seem to be like, there's just too many problems, and they're, they're too inconsistent, and they're too, I don't know, they, they just bother me too much. They're weird. They're like, listen, who is God is the most important factor in that conversation. We should be investing in each other in our homes, investing in each other, you know, uh, amongst each other in light of who God is for us, and not in light of who we are and how we calculate each other's character. Make sense? So because God is unchanging, the way we approach people is on the basis of who God is, not who they are. I'll say three more things. God being unchanging, that means that we should be confident and assured people. 
We should be confident and assured people. Listen, you know what, you know, you know what happens in the church? How many times do we get baptized? If you know if you're in a Baptist church. Five? You've been baptized five times? <laughs> okay, you five five times you baptize. How many times do you go to the altar and rededicate your life for Jesus? Ten? No, I don't think so. I was at a church one time where like every stinking week, like the same people like went up for the rededication. You know? But I'm going some of this. I'm not just picking on like you know, you know, rededications and and, and rebaptisms and and I got this new conference and this new retreat and this new spirituality and this new book. Listen, listen. God does not change. God does not change. Therefore, your spirituality that you have when you embrace Christ's works for you is perpetually, endlessly, sufficiently valid. No need for more baptism, more rededications, more spirituality, more slaying the spirit, more this, more new that, because God always is who he is. He never changes, and therefore, who you are in him is always sufficient. You can always be confident and secure because God is who he is still. I say two more things about God being unchanging. Beloved, if God is unchanging, that should affect our church culture. If God's unchanging, that should affect our church culture. I was talking about you when you were gone. But you weren't there for me to pick on you, so it's too late. Um, it should affect our church culture. Listen, how, how do we, listen, and, and this is a real temptation for all of us. How do we feel good about church as Christians? How many are here? If you have 100, you'd feel better if there was 200. If you had a, I met a guy who had a church of 1,000, and he's like, man, I really want to, I really feel great if I could get it to 10. It sounds funny, but we do that. We do that. I do that in my own way. I don't own oh, 10,000. But we feel good about the church based upon how many and how much, how much, how much money we got here. Or you feel good about the church based upon our buildings. You know how much money churches spend on stinking buildings? It makes me want to throw up! Buildings, budgets, numbers. And we think, man, the church, the, the church really finds its stability based upon those kind of characteristics and qualities and numbers that we have. But listen, what, beloved, what, what is the strength of the church? It's who God is. It's who God is. What do we have here? What, what do we got? We have who God is. God is faithful. God is omnipotent. God is savior, redeemer, husband, friend, sanctifier, alpha and omega, unchangeable, eternal, immutable. We have who God is. That's all we really essentially mostly have as a church. And that's what we should feel most good about. So we should feel most culturally as a church, confident because of who God is and always is and not who we are. Here's the last thing I would say about God being unchanging. God being unchanging, that means that we should be propelled outward to be evangelistic in a place like Miami. What do we do as Christians? This is what we do. I 
Miami's so worldly. Oh, people's hearts are so hard. Oh, yeah. oh man, like my, my relatives, they're, they're, so, they're so vicious and they're so evil and they're so selfish. And, oh, Miami's so sensual. God is God. I don't care about who Miami is. God is Alpha Omega conquering King and Lord. It doesn't matter what Miami people are like. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's us. We forget that though. God is God. It does not matter who people are in Miami. So you should preach the gospel. You should be pursuing people and not thinking like, man, I don't know. Maybe we should plant a church in Georgia where everyone loves the Bible and everyone goes to church. Because Miami, no, God is God in Miami. So we should be stupid, reckless people who all up in the mess pursuing lost souls because God is God. The reason why I like to go to the places and be around the people that are the most fragmented is because God is God and always is God. So, beloved, that should propel us to be outward, not because we see and calculate Miami's spiritual climates, but because God is God. He always is God, and he always will be God no matter what Miami is. This is why, like, I think it's so silly for Christians to be so preoccupied with, with America becoming less Christian. Listen, listen. If we, if America were to become Islamic entirely, God's still God. Don't matter. Because God, being unchanging, means that everything about the church and everything that we do is based upon God always being God and us always having that rock bed solid foundation to rely on because he does not change. No matter how things change. So let me pray and move us to the Lord's table. If you're curious as to what the topic is next week, um, we're going to talk about God being good and righteous, God's goodness and righteousness. And we'll continue on. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you so much that you don't change. Thank you so much that because you don't change, what you have done for us does not change. And thank you, God, that who you are always will be enough no matter what is going on situationally, circumstantially, personally. God, you are God. You are unchangeable. You will never not be who you are. And so we in the church have this wonderful place to hide and rest and play as your kids. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. That concludes our message, and we hope that you were inspired by it. If you'd like to hear more about the gospel or find out more about Reconciled Church Miami, please connect with us using one of the ways listed on our website, reconciledchurchmiami.org.